All right, good evening, and welcome to the Radical Fabulatorium. I'm your host, John Adam Ian. All right, uh, tonight we're mixing it up, uh, doing things backwards, actually. We, I'm sitting across the booth from Mr. Austin Eatman. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming in tonight. I'm glad to be. All right, so you were just commenting on the epic spaceness of that uh, theme song. Yeah, it does sound, it's like a moon landing. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Do you know where it's from? I don't, but I should. I should quiz people because I'd be, <laughs> I'd be really like if someone just if someone knew what it was from, they'd be like my best friend probably. But have, a, have a little like lottery going in the back. <laughs> yeah, there like we go. Fifty fifty. Yeah, yeah. Fifty. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Get some cash going. <laughs> and also, you found the place pretty easily, which is nice because I, I tell every guest it seems like it's a kind of like a running gag that people have trouble finding finding the spot. Well, like I said, I've been here before, so I kind of I sort of remembered somehow. I'm, remember? I'm not sure what yeah. how, but. Was, my my brain just was like, all right, let's go this way. It was buried deep in, <laughs> very deep. Yeah. Deep, <laughs> cool. Yeah. So you so you were coming from a gig, right? You're you're coming from a sort of gig, right? A wedding gig. Yeah, uh, it was a friend's birthday. Yeah, birthday friend gig. and bandmate. Sorry, why did I think wedding? Uh, I do play those yeah. too. That's okay, okay, gotcha. <laughs> and then you're heading to another gig after this, right after this. Yeah, yeah. So that's an uptown St. John. Yeah. Cool at O'Leary's. O'Leary's Pub. Yeah. yeah. Every Sunday. Every Sunday. I play nine to twelve. Cool. Do a little mix everything there, but yeah. Yeah, awesome. It's like my staple show at this point. Yeah, it's your uh, every week gig. Yeah. Consistent. Do you take uh, requests or do you play originals or mostly covers or how does that? On Sundays, I, it's a little bit of both. I like to both. do, because I do three hours. Yeah. Oh, wow, three I hours. I like to do yeah. like folk songs to start with mm-hmm. and then weird songs. At this point, it's just like alternative or songs that people don't hear too often. Mm-hmm. And then the last set, for people who are still there, I play like original songs. Oh, cool! But it's, I take requests the whole night through. If it's a yeah, as long as it's not a bad song. Gotcha. That's cool though. So you kind of track the evening with what you're playing. Yeah, I like that. That's pretty smart. And you can sneak in some originals too. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I like to squeeze my originals in between two really good songs. Yeah. That way, people are like, "Oh, is that <laughs> is that a good is that an is original it, song or is that just <laughs> something I know already?" <laughs> yeah. Sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I like to sandwich them in there. That's a good idea. That's a good tactic. I like that. Cool, man. So, um, I, to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about, about like, so some of the guests I've interviewed, I, I'm, um, I know something about them just from either bands they've been in before, mm-hmm. but I don't know much about you, honestly. And I kind of kept it that way on purpose because I wanted to learn, learn about uh, your journey here over the live on the air so I could make a fool of myself and, but hopefully not a fool of you. <laughs> I mean, uh, remains to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been in this, so I know you put out an EP great kind of pre pandemic. Yeah. We, we Perfect actually, timing. we played the last show. In St. John, Uh like before everything shut down, I think two days afterwards, after our EP release party, two days, everything was good, and then it shut down. Went like red. Uh Everyone was locked indoors. Yeah, and I kind of, yeah, I sort of take the blame for that at that. And now, (laughs) like, oh no, you caused it. I'm starting to think the EP (laughs) release party had a little bit to do with it. You know, it was like a pandemic release party. (laughs) At this point, we didn't know, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So that was yeah, it was the last last show that we had. Wow. And so that must have been, I mean, frustrating. Everyone, no one knew what was going on in the moment, I guess. No. But in hindsight, you're just like pretty frustrated, I would imagine. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Because it, it was our first one and mm-hmm. like, we worked hard on it. And the plan was always to tour mm-hmm. the album afterwards. So like get a little bit out there. It's like, all right, this is our business card. Yeah. Like let's show people what we can do. Yeah. And we played that release party and we yeah. were going to tour New Brunswick at least, like do a little short tour. Mm-hmm. And then it, obviously everything shut down, so we we're like, oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> let's just get back in the in the thinking booth and s- started doing some like online shows, okay. doing anything we can to 
proliferate after yeah. that. But yeah, definitely a little bit frustrating. Yeah, kind of takes the, uh, yeah, you could be on a trajectory and then kind of like yeah. you're, the pumps the brakes pretty hard and you have no control over it. So. Yeah. You work on it for a few months, you're like, all right, let's do this. It's been yeah. like six months in the making. Mm-hmm. And then you get that platform to launch and then obviously things outside your control shut it down. And yeah. You're like, huh, that's just music business for you, I suppose. For sure, yep. Yep, you just got to... Uh, Go with the flow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what was the process of like making the EP? Were you um, do you have an engineering background, or did you go to a studio, or like what did you do some of it yourself? Uh, no, it was a. I'm pretty sure I, I like to say it's very unique process that mm-hmm. how I got to be there. Okay, because I toured with a band, the Adam Washburn band at the time. There's that name again, Adam Washburn. They okay. went to St Andrews, and I joined them as an opener, solo okay. opener. And I played a couple of songs, and the bass player Keith Whipple. Okay, he really liked what I did. And he was having a wedding in a next year or something. And he asked me, he's like, hell, can you play my wedding? I'd love you to play these original songs. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was joking. And then months later, I got the email. And he's like, are you still able to do it? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, all right, so we're opening up a studio, me and a, a friend, so a studio, an actual audio engineer, Derek Hilchey. Okay. They opened up Graywind Studios mm-hmm. in the south end of St. John. Okay, cool. And they said, he's like, hey, at the wedding after I played, he's like, hey, we're opening this up and we'd like to record your EP if you want to do it Okay, with us. He's like, it's our first time. And I was like, hey, it's my first time too. Oh, cool. So I got in there and it started off as what we were, we were going to do just a like guitar acoustic kind of stripped down album. Mm-hmm. And obviously it flew from there because I started, we all had started having ideas and I was like, no, I want to bring in my friends and these guys, let's do this. Let's bring in some drums. And then it blew up into the EP that we ended up finishing. Okay. Cool, but it started as an acoustic project. Oh, yeah. It, it's, yeah. I think they had the idea that it was going to be an acoustic album. And I came in with the idea of like, no, let's do like a, a real full album that I can have to hold and yeah. be proud of. Cool. Instead of just, again, me playing guitar and singing. Awesome. So you obviously already had the songs written. Uh, a few of them, yeah. A few of them? Okay. Some of them were old songs. Some that I were writing as we were recording. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them changed drastically okay. as we went through the recording process. Ah, uh, okay. Like some of them were just, I had different ideas going in and mm-hmm. once the instrumentation got added on it, like drums and guitar licks were added in, I was like, all right, never mind. These are entirely different songs and I'd have to rewrite some of them. So cool. I kind of did some recordings beforehand mm-hmm. and they're on like YouTube and stuff. Yeah. And to see the drastic difference between the album and where they started is amazing That's for me it. to see. I love wow. it. That's really interesting. So all the songs, so when the songs were changing, you kind of just, as the ideas came, you would morph the songs in the moment. Kind of, yeah. yeah, you just kind of let it happen. Yeah, and and at the time I was working full time as well, so mm-hmm. I was uh, in the kitchen as a line cook full time, mm-hmm. so I could only be there a little bit. Okay. So I would go in there and lay down the bass tracks, like the vocal acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. and then the drummer would come in, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And then the bass player and the guitar and over, and then I would come in with the audio engineer at the end of the day mm-hmm. after my shift, come in and talk about, all right, let's shift this, let's change this. So cool. we didn't have a whole lot of direction in the moment, so we all kind of just slammed together. But it, I told the guys that were coming into play, like, I trust you, mm-hmm. you know your instrument, put on whatever you think is going to sound good, and I, I think it'll sound all right in the end. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like that the, the, the trust thing is really important, especially like your situation where you're where you're handing it off to folks and kind of going off and and not even in the same room. That's I always find that kind of an interesting process. So, did you have that trust with them? Like, did you know them before as friends, or did you just kind of get a vibe when you went in to work with them as a 
as a recording artist or was there like a relationship that kind of helped that helped you ease into that? Yeah, no, I, I knew the, uh, so like the, the percussionist or the drummer who's on our EP, Joel Arsenault, mm -hmm. when I first started playing music, he was the bartender. So I did Sunday Funday at Peppers before I did it at O'Leary's mm -hmm. and I did it for like six or six or so years. And he was the bartender. He's the guy that told me, all right, you have to get up on stage. And so I would play and he would be bartending for most of the night. But every now and then he'd jump up with his djembe and he said, if you ever start a band, I want to be your drummer. Okay. And I was like, if I ever start a band, I'm not accepting any other drummer than you. So <laughs> yeah. don't worry. Yeah. So I knew him and over years we just had these ideas, but it never really came to fruition. Mm -hmm. But so I already knew he was going to be perfect. Like he's one of the greatest drummers I've ever seen, especially play live. He's got a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. Probably the only person on a kit that could match the energy that I do when I'm playing. Cool. And then the rest of the guys, uh, he played with another lead guitar guy, Jarrett Gutro, who played on the album, on the first album. Okay. We have a new uh, lead guitar player now, but he played in a band with him and I've seen him a couple times and I was like, these guys, this guy seems good and actually the person whose wedding I went to who started this all off, Keith Whipple, was the bass player on the album. He said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll lay down bass once we started getting ideas yeah. more and more. Cool. So, But they all did it individually and I, I knew their musical talent mm -hmm. and I was the least... Like I'm still the least talented member in the band mm -hmm. by a long stretch. <laughs> like they're music aficionados. They're kind of like these crazy good instrument players. Mm -hmm. And I just make the bones of the songs and then I kind of get these guys to build it up and make it a real like track. And cool. that's, so I had nothing but faith in them. I was like, if you can make something out of this, then you're good. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's nice to have it. And then that objective opinion too, because I imagine some of their ideas like they must not be what you heard in your head, but they still fit or like maybe it took it in a different direction you weren't expecting. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It, hap it happened a lot. It didn't happen too much on the, like the first album because I was so new to recording mm -hmm. that any idea seemed like a good idea to me. Okay. Like I, I definitely, we're, we're recording a new album now and that's come into more play. Okay. As I've been learning the process of putting a song together, as opposed, cause I write all the songs myself. Yeah. It's usually just me and a guitar and I, I know exactly how it's supposed to go, okay. but I've learned uh, doing a, I've done a couple songwriting camps now mm -hmm. with like a, a local musicians like Nick Fowler out in Hampton and stuff and his songwriting camps have, I've realized the collaborative effort mm -hmm. and it's more of giving a little bit of yourself away too. So you can't just be stuck mm -hmm. because I do, I do sometimes push and pull with the creative decisions, mm -hmm. but it's good having uh, guys there that know what they're doing and you have to, just trust them to be like, I know that you're a good musician and you know that I'm a good musician, so we're going to come out with a good song in the end of it yeah. without giving away too much of what your idea of a good song was going to be when it started out. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like relinquishing yourself from like specific outcomes or, you know, like, I mean, you might not have a specific outcome, but just kind of uh, trusting in the process a little bit more. Yeah. But it's frightening. It's kind of scary though, because you are giving up control and, oh, absolutely. you know, it's your artistic vision or your baby or could be in some people's minds, right? Like, yeah. I never wanted to hold on to it like too long because luckily for me, I had written so many songs up to that point mm -hmm. that I was just more happy with getting them out there mm, yeah, as okay. to opposed to holding on to too many. Yeah. Because I, I want to move on to the next project immediately. I'm like, let's get this done, mm. move on to the next one, move on to the next one. Like I already have four or five albums planned out ahead yeah. of backlog songs that I want to yeah. do and that people have heard. Mm -hmm. And it is different too because if you play like I do, I play live a lot mm -hmm. and I play these songs live. So people, my main fan base hears them first mm -hmm. and then they get recorded. And so that you'll have these kind of, 
push and pull with the your core audience that shows up to the show, and then when they hear the recorded track, they're like, "Oh, why did you leave out that, or why did you put that in?" Okay. But then that, but it also reaches a whole new audience, right? Okay. Like people who have never heard you before. Yeah. They're hearing the recorded track for the first time, mm-hmm. so it's it's this weird balance of trying to figure out what I think it should sound like and what mm-hmm. everyone hearing it thinks it should sound like, and trying to meet in the middle somewhere. Okay. And when you're performing them live before they're recorded, do you find, do you make changes based on some of the feedback you might get or some of the feelings from the crowd? Oh, every time, yeah. Every time, yeah. I And I didn't realize I did it at first because like I obviously when I got into it, I was very new and I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I'd write the songs, play them at home, but playing them live is when a song becomes like a real song, I feel. Mm-hmm. Because I have played songs now for eight years and I can go back and I have it still recorded on my phone when I first wrote it. Mm-hmm. And it sounds so drastically different because of the feedback that I've gotten from live crowds. Like, yeah. I'm like, all right, they like this part or, oh, they didn't like that part. Mm-hmm. Or I'll, you know, because you feel the crowd's energy, you'll change things as you see. And you're like, okay, this is where it should pick up. This is where it should drop down. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll place a word here because it felt better in the moment. Mm-hmm. And then that becomes the written song. So now when I go back and check my text documents of where I wrote them, yeah. I have to re... I'm like, oh, I don't do that anymore. Or, oh, it's way better this way. Mm-hmm. Especially looking back on really old songs. Interesting. That's I, cool. It reminds me of kind of like how comedians work. Like they they travel and do their, their set forever, yeah. working it out, and then they record a special. And that's the version a lot of people see. Well, and I, I, listen to. I think there's a lot of like a uh, mix between comedians and musicians or like a a synergy between the two because mm-hmm. it is that it's your your you have to build off of a, especially if you're playing a live show you're building off of what you're receiving mm-hmm. so it can't just I mean there's a lot of people who can just write songs and alright this is the song mm-hmm. and then it just goes off to someone to manipulate it live yeah but I feel like really good songs that hit people and you have to see how it hits people first in order to change it you know so you it has a little bit of you in there too but you're melding in all the little signals from every person who's ever heard it mm-hmm. until you get a more complete version of the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because it starts out as like a personal creation and then you kind of want it to be like, a lot of artists want it to be true to themselves, but then you get the feedback from the crowd so you make these micro manipulations or something. Yeah. But it just ends up building on the energy or like the, the, the that energy you're talking about. Just I find that fascinating because you want to like stay true to yourself, but you're obviously adjusting it for other people's um, reactions or opinions. I find that kind of like balance fascinating. I think I think as long as you like continue to stay true to what your what the core goal of the song is. Like I, I start writing every song with an idea. Like what is this about? Mm-hmm. And if I can't, if I don't plan out what it's about, then mm-hmm. it, it's it just falls apart, right? So it has this backbone. And then you present it to people, and then you just learn the little like little tweaks. It's like. I've, I've been cooking for 10 years too, like as a line cook or whatever. So you send out like a dish mm-hmm. and, but you tweak it, you know, as to how like people, not everyone's going to like a spicy dish or like something different, but there is something good in the center of it that you know is worth being out there mm-hmm. and getting these little, little feedback tips can help you mold something that you like more perfectly fits your raw idea as opposed to just throwing like, and I do appreciate guys who have like pure ideas and there's, going for it 100%. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know 50% of people aren't going to like this, but 50% mm-hmm. of people are going to love this. Yep. And then there's people who sugarcoat too much of their songs. They're like, I want 100% people to love this. And then that's pop music too. And that's a whole other you know, genre of music. If that's what you want to do, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I find 
just like maybe it's like a 60 40 split of something of like this is me mm-hmm. but i want you to enjoy it like, yeah that's the whole point yeah very cool yeah i like that i like that balance that mindset um I've released a few releases personally, and like this last one I did, I worked with a producer, and the best moments I thought were like when we would come to 50-50, like he would provide me feedback, and I'd be like, well, I don't really like all that feedback, mm. but there's, you know, let's meet in the middle here. And I, f- I feel like whenever that happens, it's uh, it always inc- it always increases the the outcome, I think. Yeah. As long as, if you were, because uh, that was built on trust and respect too. So as long as that foundation is there, like I think that, that give and take is... Well, I, I think in any creative project, that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Trust. Trust and respect with everyone in the room. Trust, yeah. She'd be like, oh yeah, I, we're all trying to do something good. We're not sticking our ego into it. It's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's about the song. It's not about the person making the song. Yeah. Like, especially once you have, once you get on a roll. Mm-hmm. Like I've worked with, like I said, in those songwriting camps. Like me, Jamie Como, and Nick Fowler wrote a song. Mm-hmm. And it was very simple because we just all said, let's just do a thing. Mm-hmm. And we all started coming up with ideas and there was never any push and pull. It was more just like, oh, let's do this. And someone would be like, oh, that doesn't sound good. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> I just didn't hear it. Yeah. Because I was too, I just wanted to keep doing this. And then just having these checks and balances. Yeah. And then we came out with a like a great sea shanty song, which doesn't yeah. happen often. <laughs> but I, I was proud of the work in the end. I was like, oh, that's great. That's fantastic. I'm yeah. glad for more of this like collaborative effort. Is that the song called uh, Lo-Fi? Beats to chill. Uh, no, the lo-fi, uh, yeah, lo-fi beats to realize that was a song that me, Nick, and Colin Ferris wrote. Oh, okay, okay. From so, Chic. Yeah, from Chic. Oh, I know he's in a bunch of bands. Yeah. yeah. And that was completely out of my comfort zone when we okay. got there. Uh-huh. But once again, it just started rolling off. Like, Nick, great producer. Yeah. And he just had, had this beat, and Colin Ferris started putting things together. And it was just a very natural thing. And mm-hmm. once the beats started playing, I started singing the like the little, I guess, verse or whatever it was, but completely out of left field. Because obviously if you've heard my EP, you know, it doesn't sound anything like yeah. lo-fi chill beats to yeah, realize. Yeah. I was like, ah, doing something uncomfortable. But once I heard it back, I was like, oh, that sounds really good though. Yeah. I enjoy that. Like, yeah. I'm proud of that. Cool. We did, the, the yeah, we did a, me, Jamie, and Nick did uh, Lads Me Boys. Lads Me Boys? Yeah, which, okay. is, which is, we put it under uh, a different label or a different artist label. Okay. Called Brethren of the Coast. I'm gonna write that down. Brethren. And it was just a sort of hilarious mixture of us getting into the room and Nick saying, "I want to write a sea shanty," <laughs> and Jamie cool. and I looking at each other like, "All right, let's do it." <laughs> and it worked and it, out. Yeah, it worked out. No, it was a, a lot of people like it's so different to see the sea shanty and then the lo-fi beat song, mm-hmm. both coming from the same camp. A couple of like switched around artists, but mm-hmm. to have these different tastes in one room is just insane to me yeah yeah it seems like i've heard a few of the songs that have come out of those nick fowler yeah. camps and um they're always different they're always cool yeah they're always interesting yeah. there's always quality like it just sounds good it sounds like a cool experience from the people i've heard describe it so, yeah it's fun yeah it's a you're in there for from like 7 to 7 a.m to 6 p.m mm-hmm. you know surviving on coffee and like bowl noodles mm-hmm. although nick does buy lunch so that's a win <laughs> Nice. And then you just try to get a song out by the end of the day. Yeah. And it's crazy that that's what you can do in just that amount of time to yeah. me anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. It's interesting uh, that you brought up Nick Fowler too. Cause, so when I was like, I was listening to Broken Radio hmm. and then we were talking over email, right? Or whatever. And you were talking, so I was listening to the Broken Radio. I'm like, oh, this is a pretty good EP, like pretty pretty chill. And then you were talking about, um, so then I was listening, I was like, okay, some, like I felt like there was something else in the mix there somewhere. Like I couldn't quite tell what it was. 
And then you wrote me back saying you're like pretty eclectic in the music um, you listen to. Like you were listening to like Wu Tang. Yeah. Actually, you mentioned an artist who sounds really cool who I'd only listen, only had time to listen to one song, Porty La. Oh, Pokey Lafarge. Yeah, po- Pokey yeah. Lafarge. He's like an old, it sounds like he's from the 1950s like yeah. or something. So, yeah, that seemed really interesting. Yeah. But anyway, and then, anyway, so then, um, what was I saying with that? Um, yeah, so I was like, oh, cool, cool. So I was in, I was really interested to chat with you about your, what kind of, like, uh, direction your music might be going or, like, what more, more about your inspirations. And then I heard that Nick Fowler song, and then I was like, aha, there, it makes sense. Like, <laughs> the tone of your voice in that song got me kind of excited because the EP is really good and, you know, it's like a band EP. Mm. But then when I heard, like, I had this sense that there was something else, like, you you could, you'd be wanting to experiment or, like, there'd be some something else of value with the way your voice sounded. So then I just actually heard that Nick Fowler song, like, earlier this afternoon. And I was like, aha, there it is. And, like, <laughs> there it's creeping into it. I only yeah. found it on Spotify. I couldn't find it on uh, YouTube Music. Oh, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I just wanted to share that with you because I thought it was a cool blend, your voice and that vibe. Yeah, and, it's, and it came completely out of left field because, it's, I guess, like you said, I, I have an eclectic taste in music, so I do listen to all sorts. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a huge old old school rap fan, but I also you know, love rock and metal and folk music and some country music. Not mm-hmm. the most pop country music fan, but I do love like very old school stuff. And there's been a couple of guys that have gotten my interest again back into certain genres, mm-hmm. but I'm all, I'm all over the place. And I think it's just the way I was raised. Like my mom was a Beatles fan. My dad, Rolling Stones, John Prine, like cool. some, some of these old guys. And my brothers were Nirvana, but also Cradle of Filth. <laughs> nice. And like, it's, it's just constant yeah. bombardment. But I, but I grew up in the boulevard, so also rap music and hip hop was inundated. And I okay. always had this like pop, you know, like the big shiny tunes going yeah. on. I, and it all just blended into whatever came out so when i made that ep mm-hmm. i wanted to do a little spread of okay i want to do this kind of song and i want to do this kind of song and then when we get to do the songwriter camps we got to do the lo-fi beats it's like all right now i'm doing this kind of song let's yeah. do a a lo-fi chill pop song and then do this let's do a sea shanty why not yeah and there was a couple other songs that didn't make it because you know you only have so much time if you don't get it to production mm-hmm. we were doing like there's a weird jazz mix song that never came out and another like folkier duet song that me and uh, Rebecca Dobblesteam was working on. Okay. So we never, that those never came to fruition, but it's mm-hmm. all just trying to do as much as I possibly can with every style of music that, as long as it sounds good to me, then yeah, it all fits in the genre of good. Yeah. Yeah, if it's good, if it sounds good, it is good. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think. That's, yeah. yeah. That's cool. So so with your, so you're, you're making a new record right now with the same... Group yeah, same broken. studio, Grey Wind Studios. Okay, cool. And is it going to be is, is going to be a full LP? Like full yeah, LP? yeah. So it's going to have twelve tracks. This full one, track. cool. Yeah. And it's all written. And it's what pro, what part of the process are you in right now? Are you recording uh, it or still? It's actually we're we finished recording nice. a couple of weeks ago, and it's now just being mastered and mi- mixed and mastered. Basically, trying to get feedback on what sound we want to go with throughout the end of it. Cool. Because and all these songs too were like songs we played at our live shows for the past year and a half or so okay. and yeah. some old songs still like i'm still trying to get through the catalog i just want to now that this is done i just want to move on to the next yeah and, keep it rolling. but i'm still trying to gain the momentum of this one because i'm really excited because i've heard a couple of tracks come back from the mixing process mm-hmm. and it's just to me it's crazy to hear when you start off playing by yourself in your bedroom to hear it all come together as a full track yeah hearing it for the first time it just blows my mind yeah 
it's it's interesting how it can just start like as a little seed. Oh yeah, and then it's this huge. And it, it's it's so it's amazing what producers can do, and like yeah. sound engineers, it's like you know it's you, it's you were singing, it's all the instruments, yeah, and having these little ideas thrown in there, like yeah, let's throw a, a cowbell in there for some reason, right? mm-hmm. just like throw some things in, yeah, and to see it actually come through, especially like I was talking about sandwiching songs earlier, I like to listen to it in between a couple of songs on my Spotify playlist, so I can see how it matches mm-hmm. up to the ear as I go through it, yeah, and it's just nice hearing that like change or not change it. You're like, oh, I know this is I know this is now my song. Mm-hmm. And it's almost out there into the world now and almost ready to be listened to to everybody. Yeah. Or from or for everybody. Yeah, for everybody. Cool. I always like so when I have my phone on shuffle or whatever and I'm walking and it's like a friend's band comes on or like a local music act comes on or someone and sometimes there's that moment where it's just I don't even I can't remember what even song it is but it's like the perfect song to be playing so I'm yeah. like in a perfect mood and then when I click and realize it's my friend's band or something that gets me so excited that it like it makes me think of strangers or other people enjoying the music the way like they wouldn't understand it so it's just like a local band you yeah. know what I mean like it just so it it just means that the quality is there. Sometimes I even text him. I'm like, man, I just like was listening to the song. I just forgot it was you guys. I just feel like that's such a great feeling. But oh yeah, it's it is like it's amazing. I think the best thing when I got reviewed by the East, mm-hmm. like the EP, uh, got reviewed, and I for the first time I saw someone trying to critically explain the album that we had just made, mm-hmm. and it was per- it was perfectly written, and I just I was blown away by it. And when people hear it or people will message me and I still have a couple of friends that'll message me every now and again, you know, no matter what state they're in, you know, there's like, I just listened to this song and I got to tell you, still my favorite song I've ever heard in my life. Like, <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm blown away by that because that's literally all I've ever wanted to do. Yeah. It's never, for me, it's never been about making any sort of like fame or money out of it. Mm-hmm. I just want to make songs that proliferate good music and I want people to hear it and then want to make good music because they heard something good because that's mm-hmm. what I do. Like yeah. I hear something good and I want to make something good as opposed to just putting out something for nothing something or nothing for something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's nice to have a, a mission to inspire, you know, or like push forward something positive. Well, it's like songs from the 19 like Lead Belly still inspires today. So if you can record something and someone can pick it up and still hear an old song and mm-hmm. that makes you you're like, how is that 100 years old, but it's still better than things I hear today? Mm. And that makes me want to do something as good as that that lasts another 100 years so I can have that kind of feeling of going, moving momentum forward, okay. trying to put good into it to mm. get good out of it. Yeah, okay. So the lead belly, was that, that's an air. I actually never heard that term before. Is oh, you know lead belly? No. Oh, well, he was a huge folk singer and inspiration to like cr- some of the best acts like Nirvana, like okay. Kurt Cobain. Huge oh, wow. Lead Belly fan. Oh, really? You better write that down. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, he and arguably, uh, yeah, Huddy Ledbetter, Lead Belly, as he was known, he inspired so many folk artists and blues artists going up. And then he had a resurgence for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he, he, he played guitar and had this like falsetto voice. And like, uh, Where Did You Sleep Last Night is probably one of his most famous recordings, that one, or My Girl, My Girl. Okay. That, that yeah, like, that pop, the My Girl song, I'm like the yeah. Oh, that's him. Yeah, that's that's so that's, that's, that's like original Lead Belly recording. Yeah, has okay. so many. Okay, and people, especially like Kurt, really enjoyed it. So they proliferated that music from so long ago mm-hmm. to say, oh, I want to make more music like that, and I want to try to do that. And I love listening to that old 
music and still being like, how was it so good then? Mm. <laughs> like, that's crazy to me. Yeah, that's interesting. With nothing but like an old, probably a shoe for a microphone and yeah. know, living in a dusty shack and you can write and record something so good. Mm-hmm. And now we're all up here in 2023 and we're still trying to do it with all the technology in the world. But yeah. not all of us are able to make amazing songs. But I like that fight and that pressure to do it. You know? to, yeah, to, yeah. Interesting. Okay, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to check out Hutter Lead Belly. Oh, please do. Yeah, that's no, yeah. I, I think I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's yeah something back. I wonder what that is. That like the low fidelity. I mean, that's just the mystery of a, of a good song. I yeah. guess you can't really explain why, even though it's technically incorrect or the fidelity is really low, it doesn't matter. It still still is what it is. Oh, it's still like that. One of my even. Recently, in the past two years, I, I started listening to Elizabeth Cotton, okay. who plays a, a a right-handed guitar, but it's strung upside down. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way she learned how to play it, because she couldn't buy a left-handed guitar at the time. Mm-hmm. So she just did it in the other way. Yeah, and, But it sounds amazing, and mm-hmm. learned how to play that, and has some great songs I that I try to cover every now and again. But unless you restrung your guitar the other way around or learn to play it, you're never going to get that kind of sound out of it. Yeah. But it's still a great song, mm-hmm. even though it's technically wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not because it sounds great. It sounds good. Interesting. That's cool. That's kind of like how, I don't know a whole lot about Joni Mitchell, but she seems like that kind of way, like her mm. melodies don't, doesn't they don't really abide by many rules or her chord changes don't really make sense to the ear, but it still does at the same time, like... I, I felt I felt that recently about like Kurt Vile too. Like Kurt even Vile, though he's yeah. more recent, yeah. But the way he writes songs, I feel like they're wrong. Mm-hmm. They're wrong. <laughs> but I want to. I keep listening to them because they sound good. Yeah. Like the way his phrasings work. Like he's he's not doing like verse chorus verse chorus, or he's not ending syllables where they should end. Yeah. And they just stretch like half an inch longer than they should, or yeah. half a syllable longer. But it sounds good to my ear. Yeah. But trying to recreate that, I don't know how you could. Yeah, like, it's just something you're just trying to make something good. Yeah, and doing it without any rules. Mm-hmm. I think that's how they came out with this. That's why I love about those old players. Like I'm not a uh, like a technical player at all. I just mm-hmm. try to write songs that are good, and I feel like that's what they did, and that's how you make good songs. Mm-hmm. Well, some some good songs. Obviously, some of them are more technically put together, like sure. especially heavy metal and stuff. Like yeah, can't wrap my head around how they do that but mm-hmm. yeah like dream theater so yeah, yeah so like something like that something so <laughs> yeah. well put together that yeah. it is perfect mm-hmm. and then there's some songs that are just accidentally perfect yeah that are just feeling yeah. that's music i guess i mean because it's kind of built on math a little bit but then it's like the physics of sound waves too but mm. so you can be mathematical about it or you can be feeling based it kind of covers all Cover, kind of covers it all because some people get a lot of value out of listening to music that's very very calculated yeah and not only is it like written perfectly calculated but it might be recorded and quantized and, and all that too and there's they still get value out of it so yeah. it's interesting that way yeah but i end up be all end alls it all gets to like someone's ears and someone enjoys it you know it's like so that's it makes music mm-hmm. and that's i'm just i'm happy to be just even a small part in that like machine you know just enjoying that mm-hmm in the stream of music. Yeah, cool. Especially now it's so easy to create it. If you can inspire someone, like anyone listening now could start writing and recording songs that sound pretty good for like 300 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> go to yeah, a pawn yeah. shop and... Easy. Yeah. It's and I know, I've seen it. There's, yeah, there's guys that blow up or people that blow up that just on the simplest materials. Yeah. But go on to make 
great careers in music and some of it's like music's always a little bit of luck and it's a little bit of skill you know yeah. that's how it is mm-hmm. but just the ease of access has never been greater mm-hmm. and it allows us to hear songs all over the place like when that lo-fi beats came out and because Fowler has such a long reaching bass mm-hmm. it started like it's huge it was huge in Germany cool. for some reason yeah <laughs> and I was like well they don't I assume a lot of them don't know what I'm saying, right? It's not in German, yeah. but they like it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how, why they like it. I probably never will. Mm-hmm. But if I ever, you know, visit, then I'll, I'll try to, if I ever visit <laughs> Hamburg, I'd like to figure out like, yeah. has anyone heard this song? Like, where <laughs> can I find the, you know, 10,000 people or 10,000 streams of this song just in this one city yeah. in Germany? In Germany. I would like to know why <laughs> and what, like how it got here. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, but I, I love that. I like, yeah. like you say, you just put it out. Yeah. And it goes f- further beyond you. Yeah. And that's again, you know, mentioning specifically knowing about like a country or a town even, like that's that's one of the fascinating angles of the new technology mm. and the statistics and the social social media world. Even though there's all kinds of negatives with it, like that's one of the interesting things is you can actually see like man, this town and there's someone in Norway like for yeah. whatever reason spun my record five times this week and nowhere else in the whole yeah. world, but for some reason this someone <laughs> in Norway. Right here it blew up for yeah, yeah. For, for no reason at all. I have no idea why. Yeah. It's really strange, and no. you could—I mean, if—and you can kind of imagine that person finding it and becoming their favorite song for the day, even if it's just the day. Imagine one person in Norway finds your the song you've written and recorded. Their it's now their favorite song. Yeah. So you've just like inspired a person. They put it on at their darkest moment. So they put it on at their wedding at some point. And you don't know because to you, like when you see it on the analytics, it just mm-hmm. says one stream. Yeah. Or like you know five streams from one place. Yeah. But that could be the most important like sound that has ever been recorded in that one person's life <laughs> yeah, and you'll true. never know <laughs> yeah you'll never know but it's so it's good to know that at least you made it recorded it put it out there mm-hmm. and now it's outside of you it's like you don't know what people are going to do with your music you never know who it's going to touch and where it's going to reach mm-hmm. but you at least you got up and did it you know like yeah and made something you tried to do that and mm-hmm. it got grabbed onto yeah or become some weird meme video i don't know <laughs> Yeah. Which I, I'd be happy for yeah. too. If any, just I'm gonna go on record. If anyone wants to take any of my songs and make it into a weird meme video, I'm down. You're down for it. Yeah. What if, what if it's an AI? We could maybe code an AI. Oh, meme dear generator. God, I hope not. <laughs> I'll ask. I'll get. I'll do it right now. Chat GPT. Yeah. Dear God, no. <laughs> That's cool. Okay, so I want to. So your 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 album's getting mixed now. Your new album. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be along the same lines as Broken Radio. Does that mean same players? Like is it, uh, or the, I guess really what I wanted to ask is it the band that's going to be you're playing with currently like that it's the band I'm playing with currently yeah okay yeah so cool. to, yeah we've changed two personnel from the EP so mm-hmm. we have a new lead guitar player Murray O'Dell mm-hmm. and we have a new bass player uh, Bob Fitzgerald who okay. actually Bob and our drummer Joel they've been together forever mm-hmm. just Bob was too busy when we were we we're doing it before and Keith was like oh, I'll do it why not okay. so yeah but the band that I'm touring with and playing with now, they're the ones that recorded everything on this new album coming out. Cool. And do you have any time? I know you said it's still mixing it and stuff, but... Yeah, we're, yeah. I'm, I want to... I mean, it's going to be out before we play Area 506, oh, cool. definitely. Okay. So before August. Yeah. I would like to have it end of July or so, but it's still, it's all up in the air. Like, I don't have a name for the album. I haven't really settled on a name or some album art. Yeah. But I want to get all the mixes back, listen to it a few times, and then, like, form an opinion based on that. Okay. But cool. hopefully, uh, within the next couple months, definitely. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it'd be nice to have it out in time for Area 506. Yeah. What what day of the week? Which, which show are you playing? Uh, uh, we're opening up Friday. Friday. Very cool. Yeah. 
first I uh, first one's on Friday. Cool. You excited for that one? Oh, super excited. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're it's I'm, I was telling someone else I'm not quite at the point where it's close enough where I'm nervous, mm-hmm. but it's far enough away that I'm also not nervous. But once I'm gonna get, <laughs> I'm just gonna reach a nexus where it's, oh oh god, I'm not prepared enough. <laughs> yeah. Until the week of, and then I'll just have constant stomach cramps until <laughs> I get up on stage and yeah, do what we have to do. <laughs> do you like feeling nervous before a show? Uh, it's it, to me, it's impossible not to. It's an, yeah. Okay. Like I, I get more used to stages than I do shows you know mm-hmm. so like i could play one show at a place where there's maybe five people and i'll be just as nervous if i play 10 shows at a place where there's a thousand yeah it's all the like the stage and what i expect and cannot expect from it that makes me more nervous than the performance mm-hmm. it's just like oh what if something goes you know hit this wrong button or this goes bad or something like that because yeah. i don't know the physical space of it yet yeah but i yeah we uh, i think everyone in our band that's what we kind of bond over is just uh, in, incredible stage anxiety before we get up on there. Oh yeah, <laughs> just everyone needing to use the bathroom all at once. Like, oh yeah. dear God. Yeah, I guess we have to play in an hour. Yeah, everyone's sweating and walking yeah. in circles. And, and then we and then we get up there and you know we look perfectly natural. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like oh, I didn't even know you were uh, worried at all. Yeah, like I played the the Riptide halftime show a couple oh, years oh, cool, ago yeah. at the middle of Harbor Station, just mm-hmm. surrounded by people. And I only had to play like three songs, but I remember right before I walked out, I looked at the door that like led to the exit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I could run. I could run out that door and no <laughs> one's going to know. I was like, I this, that it. would be great. Yeah. And then just as I like was about to step towards the door, I heard the, and Austin Eatman is coming. I was like, oh, okay, I got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> they said it. And then went out there and played. Uh-huh. Well, I almost died from a heart attack. Yeah. After all, I was like, did that sound terrible? Yeah. And a friend that I brought, she was like, no, you look you looked very calm out there. I was like, oh, okay, all right. God, I'm still hiding it well then. Yeah, yeah. But in the moment I, you were not calm. No, no. <laughs> just about to pass out, just keeping it all together, sweating profusely. Yeah. But that happens li- quite literally every every time. Every gig, yeah. Yeah. Does it happen in the studio at all when you gotta lay down vocals or do any sort of tracking? Yeah, I'm actually terrible and it's it's really costing me a lot of money at this point to re record everything. Oh because if I know something's being recorded, uh-huh. I get I flub every time. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I can do it perfectly once, and then, but if I know that, all right, this is actually like important, then I'll, I'll miss a word or I'll, I'll stumble over a line or a chord or something. Like I need to restart. I need to restart. I'm getting a little better at it, especially with this new album. It went a lot more smoothly. Cool. The first one, it was like thirty tracks each. Yeah, to get through the song. Yeah, until Derek had to just come in and just wring my neck. Like, He's like, we're getting out of here today. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I know, I'm sorry, and this I know the songs word for word. I could play them a thousand times over. Yeah, you put a camera on me or a, click the record button, and yeah. it's, I just start messing up. Once you know it's permanent. Yeah, that's the <laughs> thing. Oh, yeah, once I know it's yeah. permanent. Yeah, I'm like, uh oh, that's a common issue. Red, I think they call it red light fever or something like that. Like uh, when the people, and then like, yeah, you stop recording and you're like, you go back to do it just a, a practice take, perfect. You yeah. hit record, you're like, <laughs> what's going immediately on? Immediately <laughs> start messing up. Like, yeah. come on. Yeah. So, uh, no, it's, yeah, it definitely still happens. And I get a lot of people that are like, even still, mm-hmm. because I've been playing, you know, professionally now for almost eight years. Mm-hmm. If not, yeah, if not, I mean, professionally, I don't know how professional it gets, but eight, for, for like eight years, so I'm like, yeah, no, every time I step on a stage, mm-hmm. I am, I am nervous until the first song is done. Yeah. And then maybe a couple songs, then I'll get a little more comfortable and then I settle into it. Yep. I'm like, all right, this is going well. No one's 
you know, throwing anything at me. No one's screaming <laughs> to get to tell me to get off the stage. Get out of here. This is good. I haven't thrown up yet. Yeah. Now, have you had one of those ex- negative experiences before? Uh, yeah. Luckily, it was like the first gig I had. But oh, really? Okay. It was. I, I played at the what was the Three Mile uh-huh. out east, and it was a very low key bar show. Yeah. I got there and. I, when I first got there, I didn't have a power cord for my amp. I was using a borrowed guitar and three strings broke and I didn't have replacements for oh, them. That sounds like a nightmare. Oh yeah, no, it just, it <laughs> went worse and worse as yeah. the night continued. And then there was only three people there and it was the worst gig I had ever played or have ever played to this point because it was so nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. But I got that out of the way and now nothing compares to that. That just like prepared, yeah. And I was like, all right, now I'm good. <laughs> So long as, and I had no like string replacements, you know, because yeah. I hadn't figured out how to do that yet. That's nice. You got all those problems. I got condensed. every bad thing out <laughs> all in one night on an early gig. Yeah, pretty sure I cut myself trying to replace a string at one point. Like I had to run over to Long and McQuaid before they closed, and I remember I went over there and I, uh, I didn't have an account set up. Okay. And I had to like beg them. I was like, all right, I'm, we'll bring this back tomorrow. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm really just playing it across the street. Like, you can trust me. And for their, like, in their favor, and I always appreciate them for it, the guy was like, all right, I trust you. You can do this. Like, you don't have to sign anything, credit card, but do bring it back. <laughs> I was like, y'all, you have nothing to worry about me. Like, I'm yeah. going to be shopping here for the rest of my life. That's yeah. why all my musical purchases are done at Long and McQuaid. Yeah. Because they helped me out that one time. Yeah. And forever, I will give that back to them. That's crucial. A yeah. Crucial bailout. <laughs> oh, it was, yeah. oh, it was, it saved everything. That's awesome. Had the power cord, got some strings replaced, and mm. was able to salvage the last hour of the show. <laughs> That's awesome. That's good to get it all out of the way. And, uh, you know, I think that m- most people will be like, hmm, maybe this isn't what I want to put up with. <laughs> But that's pretty cool. Uh, to me, I was like, oh, all right, that's the worst it's going to get. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to look at it. We, My old band, we played a show in in uh, Kingston, Ontario, and this was like vivid in my memory because we were like a, a metal band, but more like along the lines of Protest the Hero or Avenged mm-hmm. Sevenfold. And we got booked. We thought it was a metal show, but it was actually kind of like a hardcore punk show. So like just not like... Just not this kind of anyway, and we flubbed our first note of our first song, so it went from like 120 people in the room to zero by the end of the song, <laughs> and it was just destroyed. Like, like it was yay. like humbling, quite humbling, <laughs> yeah. but quite like there was one guy in the room we were we wanted to impress because he he booked other shows and stuff, and it was like it was pretty humbling. Is all I can say. <laughs> You're just like, what do you do? <laughs> I guess we finished our set. Like we just cleared the room. Like yeah. we might as well just leave the town. Like yeah, all right, we're here. Let's never come back. <laughs> yeah. We're not coming back to Kingston, sorry. <laughs> and we never did, I don't think, actually. <laughs> it's kind of funny. So okay, so that's cool. I'm excited to hear the new album then. Um, yeah, me too, actually. Yeah, that'll be cool. I've heard a couple of songs off and I'm really impressed. So. Yeah, maybe you can leak one to me and I'll I'll leak it to the airwaves. I will. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll slide you a track when no one's looking. Yeah, when no one's looking. We got one, we got as, as one of the singles done like a month ago or so. Cool in exchange for uh, our lead guitar player putting in a heat pump at the engineer's house. Oh, nice. And he's like, all right, I'll record a single for you guys. Yeah. You put, put in a heat pump. So we did. <laughs> we had that exchange. Nice. And then that kind of rolled off. It's like, all right, we have this song. Let's do a whole album. Yeah, cool. That works out. <laughs> yeah. Bartered. Yeah. The barter system is still alive and well in the music industry. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It works well here in St. John. Yeah, oh, yeah. definitely. Small, small scene bartering. That's awesome. Cool. Um, what time is it? You got a gig at, yeah, it's 10 to 8. Wow, yeah. it flew by. can't believe it's 10 I know, to 8, right? to be honest. Um, so besides Area 506 and the record, yeah. any other any other uh, 
plans for the rest of the year? Yeah, I mean, plenty. Like, I'm a, I play constantly all the time. St. John, Hampton, K, like out in KV all the time. We're doing a, on the 9th, we're doing a rock and roll show for Alzheimer's. Oh, cool. Down at the Container Village. So our band will be playing. And uh, there's a few other bands playing. Uh, a lot of local guys. That's it's, on the 9th? On the 9th, yeah. Like June 9th? This so, yeah, so this was this Friday? Yeah, yeah. this Friday. Cool. We're playing. And that's, uh, you usually do a acoustics for Alzheimer's. Okay. My friend Jerry Lewis puts it on Okay. at the Five and Dime. But this time, he we're doing a much bigger show. So we're going down, going to do it on the stage in the Container Village in St. John and try to make as much as we can. It's, it's uh, all for charity. So Awesome, yeah. I've been doing it for five-ish years now. So this is the first time I'm doing it with a full band. Okay. So there's that. I'm excited for that this weekend. And then, yeah, pretty much just nonstop gigging until until 5.06. Could take a little break around then so we can put on the best show we can. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just trying to get the album out and want to push that and maybe figure out a tour along the way if we can, post-summer or do a little fall tour or something. Yeah. Yeah, like, would you like to get out of play gigs outside the New Brunswick Cup? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you have you done much gigging outside the province? No, I've I know uh, the pandemic got in the way, obviously. But. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The pandemic got in the way. The first one of our first little tour run, and mm-hmm. now I'm, we're just starting to put it together. I wanted to make sure that the album was sussed out and that we had something more to push other than the EP, mm-hmm. especially now that we've been playing. Because when we wrote the EP, we'd actually never played together. Okay. Or like when we recorded it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So was, yeah. we had one show. And then we played the EP release party, and those are our first time playing all the songs together. Mm-hmm. So now that we've been playing for so long, we have all these songs under our belt. We're like, all right, now we're an exportable band. We're ready to go out and actually deliver a good show to people cool. every single time. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm ready to, we're ready to get out there and hit a couple of places outside of New Brunswick, cool. definitely. Yeah. So everything's feeling more cohesive. Like everything's gelling pretty yeah, well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it, like I got some of the, like, they're my good friends. And also amazing musicians, which doesn't happen too often. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I'm excited to see what we're going to come up with next because I, I am, I do want to work on. I have another side project, Sound Investments, that my friend whose birthday I was playing today, okay. Mike Bellier, and I have. It's a two piece, like kind of folk duo. Mm-hmm. So I want to, I want to put out a little EP with them, with us, and then do maybe like a solo record, and then come out with a third band album. So I just, just. I'm not sure if it's all going to be this year, but I just want to make sure that I can have all these things and all these ducks in a row and start taking them off as we go yeah. forward. Very cool. Yeah, that sounds exciting. Yeah. So multiple projects. And so I like to stay busy. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Busy's good. Yeah. It's good. So, it's a good problem now. With you being in the scene every week, like gigging, do you feel like the scene seems pretty exciting right now? Like there's like there's a energy bubbling up and saying, I know we've had all the growth here in the city and stuff. Um, do you feel like there's some positive buzz going on right now? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I've, I've seen it for like, it was it was bubbling up before the pandemic and obviously that swept for a little bit and it's starting to come back to that heyday. And I I used to, I used to hit a lot of the open mics around town and I've been too busy and just trying to get things, but I'm starting to come back out again. Mm-hmm. And there's now like a huge new wave of like amazing musicians coming in, mm-hmm. stepping up the plate once again. Cool. And it kind of feels like when I started and I saw this wave that I was riding along. And it's like, oh, all right. And there's a lot of hype. People are coming out to live shows a lot more often. Mm -hmm. And it's getting more and more like, all right, this is, we can put on a good show. People are coming out to have that live experience more Mm -hmm. and more. And I'm excited to see what 
other bands and other artists are going to like bring to the forefront mm-hmm. when they when all these guys get to the level that they're all ready to like starting to sort of compete against each other. I'm excited to see that kind of explosion of music and culture around here that I think is inevitable. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, there's a few years of those people. If you think about when, like, the 17 to 22 year olds that went through the pandemic, like, yeah. they would obviously have some interesting opinions or suppressed angst, or you could just imagine. Well, there's like, a, there was a guy I worked with who had his 19th birthday, like, at the beginning of the pandemic. So oh, he yeah. never went out. Mm-hmm. By the time it was over, you know, he came out like 20, 21. He'd never heard, he's never been to a bar. Yeah. He's never yeah. heard live music. Wow. And so there's a whole swath of yeah. people like that, right? They're like, don't, have any idea where to go to see live music or what live music feels like when they get in front of it. Interesting. And being in that crowd of it, and I'm, I see see it now at playing shows and you can spot people who have never been out to a live show and like, they kind of have this shock and wonder and then they start dancing and like, oh, I can do this. Like you're allowed to just dance and like, this is different. You know, like with people and okay. It's like, oh man, I heard that. Like this is really like, hitting me in the heart. Interesting. And I, I love talking to them after, like in between sets and in the shows. I'm like, oh, yeah. you, you're like the first person I've seen play. Uh-huh. I'm like, that's crazy to me. <laughs> interesting. That's so interesting because that makes me think, like, because you can watch, like we all have screens, of course, and you can watch really amazing performances. But then depending on your age, you could like have not actually been in the same room where the sound waves are moving and hitting mm. your actual body. So you're like you might only have taken it in with a screen thinking it's one thing, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh wait, it's actually a feeling. Yeah. Like there's a physical feeling yeah, involved. A, yeah. That's so fascinating. I never really thought about that. Yeah, music's tactile, right? Like yeah. when they because I love watching live shows, but it's no yeah. it's different than being at a live show. Yeah. And I don't think you can it's not possible to really explain being there and hearing a band you like would love to see and you get there or hearing a, a band for the first time and now they're your favorite band. Mm-hmm. Like so many people now get to experience just going out and maybe it's the first band they see and they're like, oh, this is my new favorite band. Yeah. And they're going to carry that for like 20 years mm-hmm. because yeah. cause that band's putting other performance of their life and you never know who's, that's why, that's why I always try to play, like I'm playing Madison Square Garden because yeah. I don't know who's in the audience. I don't know if this is their first show, mm-hmm. this is their 90th show. Yeah. You know, if they hate live music, if they love live music, mm-hmm. but I want to win everyone over and I want to, no matter what, I want to be sure I'm doing my job, which is to, put on the best possible performance in a live music scenario. Mm-hmm. Cool. And you hit those people all the time. And I, yeah, that's a fun feeling too. Like I can remember seeing um, a couple bands and like, it's like not even before their first song's done, you're just like, something's going on here. Like yeah. it just takes over <laughs> your whole, your whole vibe. That's interesting. Yeah. Working down, I worked down on the boardwalk for a while and I caught a lot of bands coming through Peppers, mm-hmm. Lemongrass, because that's where I worked. Mm-hmm. So I I saw like a hundred bands a year, you know, just come through there, mm-hmm. and a few of them are some of still some of the best bands I've seen. Did and you I, did you notice like a, could you tell if the band was gonna have that kind of energy? Like, was there an aura about the band where they're like you knew they were gonna? Sometimes, sometimes, yeah, and sometimes it wasn't. Like it was very weird because you'd have these big bands come in and you expect craziness and sometimes there'd be a big crowd but they wouldn't really be putting on a, a crazy big show mm-hmm. and then sometimes you'd have a, a more local actor even a, a la- an act from like Ontario to come in and a few people would show up and it would be the most electrifying show you've ever seen mm-hmm. and it was, to me it's I never knew what I, what to expect so I just started showing up to all of them okay. <laughs> I was like I just want to see because now you can't tell 
Like sometimes they'll charge like $30 at the door or $10 at the door. And you're like, oh, well, maybe the $30 show is going to be so much better. Mm-hmm. But it's not. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. It's more just like a an idea of like, oh, that's just a financial edge. Mm-hmm. But I've seen bands play there. Two guys rock the place. I've seen one guy just with like a little beat machine play mm-hmm. one of the best shows that I've ever seen. And then I've seen like six people put on a full orchestral show, but it's just kind of, eh. Yeah. You know, it didn't really sell out or they, maybe they had a, or they were having a bad night or they're at the end of their tour and they're kind of tired or something. Mm-hmm. So you never, I never know and I never knew who, what it is. So I just take a chance. I'm like, all right, I'll go, I'll go listen to this. Mm-hmm. It could be good. It might be the best show. Yeah. I've seen like Murder Murder is one of my favorite bands I've ever seen live. Okay. I don't think they play much. Uh, Adam Washburn, when he was with his band, I was like, oh, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like he's one of the first guys I saw that great front man. Just killing it. And then Mike Bochoff from Nova Scotia. Okay. That band played Peppers too. Cool. And they those are like the three bands I saw there that I was like, oh man, this is crazy. Like this is what it means to play live music. Cool. They're putting on a good show. Mm-hmm. And then, but I've seen hundreds. I mean, so, so many good bands come through there. And, and like, I'm just not naming the super popular ones like the Slow Co and Scientists of Sound and mm-hmm. can, uh, all those guys. Cool. Yeah, but that's a good, unique position to be in to take in all that that music really yeah so very, i count myself very lucky to be yeah. able to see how those different acts handle themselves or how they manage their shows and oh, yeah, i'd always yeah. be i would sit there in the back and just study that's what i i love to do for mm-hmm. the first few years just trying to figure out what these guys are doing you cool. know <laughs> yeah that's cool awesome well thanks for coming in it's uh, eight o'clock i can't believe it that's an entire hour just <laughs> flew by i know that's fine. i probably talked too much but thanks thanks yeah. for having me yeah no problem anytime and uh yeah i'll, I'll have to hit you up for that leaked uh Leak yeah. secret track. We can drop it here first. <laughs> Please, yeah, I'd love to actually. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. All right, uh, cool. So um, I'm gonna throw on a song from Broken Radio, if that's cool. I'm oh, sure. Yeah. I'm sure you don't mind. No, I'm, I was tempted to put on "On You" or "Perpetual Fire," but if you have a, I have mean, a, "Perpetual Fire" is probably the, the more. That's the, what you're feeling. Yeah, that's the more. That's the mood. That's that's more the mood. I think. Perpetual Fire. Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Austin. No, thank you. All right. So this is, uh, yeah, you're going to hear Perpetual Fire by Austin Eatman. He's going to be playing Area 506 in August. New record out, hopefully before that. And uh, yeah, here comes his tune, Perpetual Fire. Enjoy. <laughs> 